Thank you, Doug, for that prayer this morning. Well, before I begin this morning, I do want to reiterate one of the announcements that Pastor Dan made this morning. Next Sunday morning during Sunday school, we do have Paul Gardner, the director of Camp Barakal, who's going to come and share with us during the Sunday school hour. So all of the adults, junior high, senior high, will uh, be combined here in the auditorium for Sunday school. And this will be important because we are considering uh, taking on uh, Camp Barakel for financial support. And we will be voting on this at the annual meeting in January. So this is your opportunity to hear about the ministry and both before and after Sunday school, after the morning service, to ask Paul questions. If you have any about Camp Barakel, I know many of you are very familiar with it. Um, but we just want to make sure everyone is aware of this important time next Sunday morning. Well, this morning as we open the Word of God together, we're, I'm going to continue in my series on the attributes of God, and this morning we come to the grace of God, the grace of God. And if you have a Bible with you, I'd like to turn you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and just two verses will be our main passage this morning. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 9 and 10. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 9 and 10. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, says, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But... By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Now, I'm going to do something a little different this morning. I want to spend time on this passage, or on these two verses, but I'm not going to do it till toward the end of the message. So just hold your place there. We're going to be looking, as we have throughout this series, at a number of different verses. Most of them will be on the screen. A couple of them will not, but I'll also give you the reference. But this main passage, I'm going to save to the end, and here's why. Everything, hopefully, everything that I share with you this morning will lead to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 9 and 10. So I want everything that I share this morning to be kind of a funnel that directs us to these two verses. Well, our first point this morning is the grace of God. The grace of God is one of the most precious truths of the Christian faith, both for our salvation and our daily walk with God. John Piper said this, as we think about this series on the attributes of God, he said, people are starving for the greatness of God. People are starving for the greatness of God. This series may or may not have had an impact on your life, but I know it has had a big impact on mine. And I've just written a note to myself, to look at every day. This is every day, meditate on the attributes of God. 
I don't know what it is, but there's something about the attributes of God, of seeing the greatness of God that is important to all of us. It's so important to our Christian life. And as we look at the grace of God, one writer said this, in the grace of God, we see the greatness of God's glory shining brighter than 10,000 suns in the sky. But in the grace of God, we see God's glory shining brighter than 10,000 suns in the sky. You see, the grace of God energizes our souls. It empowers our inner person. And that's, that's why we seek to know God more deeply. Because knowing the greatness of God, just knowing God... As J.I. Packer wrote or entitled one of his most famous books, just knowing God has an extraordinary effect on our lives. There is nothing that excites our hearts more than the study of God. There is nothing that excites our hearts more than the study of God. And I, this morning, would gently rebuke myself and gently rebuke all of us that's, that we should all spend much less time worrying about the trivial things of this life and spend much more time in the study of God himself. To spend less time worrying about the trivial things of this earthly, temporal life and to spend much more time studying the person of God. And for those of us who have come to the place in our lives where we placed our faith and trust in Christ as Savior, the grace of God is such an important truth. God delights. He delights in showing, in showing unmerited favor to those who are completely undeserving of his goodness. And at its core, that's what grace means. God showing his unmerited, undeserved favor to those who are completely undeserving. I know you've heard this before, but please don't ask God to give you what you deserve. Okay? Because if God gives us what we deserve, we would all be in the flames of hell right now. That's what we deserve. Let us praise God that he doesn't give us what we deserve. But it's God's extraordinary grace in Christ that has given us not what we deserve, but what we don't deserve, which is his forgiveness and his mercy. Oh, God has not given us what we deserve, but instead has shown us grace in his forgiveness and in his mercy. So what I want to do this morning is I want to look at God's grace from two different aspects. First, I want us to see God's grace in salvation. Then I want us to see God's grace in our daily walk with God. And so first, God's grace in his salvation. We see the magnificence of God's grace most gloriously in the provision of his free gift of salvation. Salvation is a free gift because it is undeserved. 
It cannot be earned. It can only, it can only be received as a gift. We can only extend to God empty arms looking to him, to our great God for his salvation in Christ and to receive it by grace. It cannot be bought. And we can never, ever be good enough to receive his grace, to receive his free gift of salvation. So, because we belong to Christ, because we are students of the Bible, we understand what it means to be justified. Now, I want to talk about that term this morning because it's very important to the grace of God. Some of you may be very familiar with it. Some of you, I realize here, may not be familiar with it at all. Justification or being justified means that we stand before God in Christ perfectly clean, perfectly righteous because of what Christ has accomplished for us and has done in us in bringing us salvation. There's an old, old little definition of justified that may be helpful to you. It means it's just as if I'd never sinned. Just as if I'd never sinned. That's what it means to be justified. So, before we come to Christ, we stand before the judgment seat of heaven to be, to be declared guilty on the basis of our sins, condemned before a holy God. That's who we are naturally. We stand before God in heaven guilty, guilty because of our sins, condemned before a holy God. But on the basis of the perfect life of the Lord Jesus Christ and his sin-bearing, substitutionary sacrifice on the cross, when we see that, we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for us on the cross. We confess and repent of our sins and we surrender our life to Jesus Christ. Folks, that's what it means to be saved. I cannot save myself. There is nothing I can do to save myself. I surrender my whole life to Jesus and receive him as my Lord and Savior. And folks, in that moment, in that moment, the moment of salvation, the judge of heaven and earth gives to us the perfect righteousness of Jesus. It is the great exchange, which I have shared with you many times over the years. We give our sins to Jesus, and God gives us Jesus' righteousness. We exchange our sins for his righteousness. It is given to us as a gift. We say in theology, it is imputed to us. It is a legal declaration. We are justified in the sight of God. We are acquitted of all charges. 
And folks, from that moment, from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, you are clothed in the perfect robes of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And no matter what else happens to you for the rest of your life, you are always justified. You are always clothed in the perfect robes of righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we receive this? How do we receive this greatest gift ever conceived in the history of the universe, in the history of eternity? We receive it by grace, by grace. It is a gift that God offers to us in the gospel. We must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and when we do, on the basis of that trust, we are declared forever justified. It is a gift. It is a gift by his grace. We could put it this way. Justification is not a reward for the righteous. It is a gift for the guilty. Okay? Justification is not a reward for the righteous. It is a gift for the guilty. Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24 says it so well. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Wow, that says it better than any pastor or evangelist could ever say it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. Romans 11.6. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. I love that. If it's by grace, it can't be on the basis of works. So salvation is either by grace or it's by works. And the Bible says it's totally by grace. It can't be a combination of grace and works. It is totally, totally by grace. Excuse me. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. The very definition of the grace of God is that it's completely unmerited, completely undeserved. There is nothing you can do to earn it, nothing you can do to work for it. It's not on the screen, but it is such a key passage for all of us as believers in Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one, so that no one may boast. Paul says it so well. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, in him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Now watch this. According to the riches 
of his grace. We have salvation. We have redemption through his blood. We have the forgiveness of our sins. How, how, how? According to the riches of his grace. But I, what I want you to see this morning is not only are we saved by grace, but we live the Christian life completely by the grace of God. And if you've never understood that before, this could be life-changing for you. It has been for me throughout my Christian life the more I have understood this. We are not only saved by grace, but we are kept by grace and we live by grace. Our second point this morning is God's daily transforming grace. Every single day, the Christian life is energized and transformed by the grace of God. I just want you to think about that with me this morning. Every single day of your life, your Christian life is energized and transformed by the grace of God because you see the grace of God is the resurrected and living Christ living in me by means of the Holy Spirit and he is my energy, he is my power, he is my strength every second of every moment of every day. And this is so important because growing in the Christian life is not, it is not, I need to work harder. I need to be more determined. That is not how you grow. You grow by moment, you grow by moment by moment, total surrender to Christ that his life might be lived through yours. It is not by your hard work. It is by Christ in you. It is not by your determination. It is by Christ in you. All of the treasures of grace, all of the treasures of grace are found in Christ. There is not one drop of grace outside of Christ. He is everything. That is why the Bible says in 1 John 5, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. If you have Jesus, you have everything. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have anything. It's all in Christ. All the treasures of wisdom and understanding, Colossians 1. All the treasures of wisdom and understanding are in Christ. All of the blessings of the Christian life are found in Christ. So I want us all to understand this morning that the grace of God is mediated to us through Christ, okay? The grace of God is mediated to every single one of us who know Christ as Savior. It is mediated to us through Christ. Again, 
The resurrected and living Christ lives in us by faith, by means of the Holy Spirit, and he is the mediation of the grace of God in every part of my life and yours. Let me put it this way. Every good thought that you think, every good word that you say, every good deed that you do is by the grace of God. Okay? Every good thought you think, every good word you say, every good deed you do is not because of you. It is because of the grace of God in you. Very important verse. John 1.17. For the law was given through Moses... Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, and that's how it comes to us. It is hard for me to even overemphasize how important this verse is. I think we highlighted it a couple of years ago in our book of the month, but Al Mohler has edited a study Bible called the Grace and Truth Study Bible based on this one verse in the Gospel of John. And all the study notes for that entire Bible are based on this, helping the Christian to see that grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. And I want you to know There is an infinite supply of grace. You don't have to worry if God's going to run out of grace for you. God multiplies grace upon grace upon grace. Here's how I want you to think of it. He gives us sanctifying grace to conform us to the image of Christ. He gives us strengthening grace so that we can serve him, so that we can live obedient Christian lives. You know how I live an obedient Christian life? By the grace of God and by the grace of God alone. He gives us satisfying grace so that we can be completely content in Christ alone. All the way down to the very last day of our life when he gives us dying grace, so that we can die in hope, so that we can die with faith, and so that we can die with confidence. Grace is enabling grace that enables us to be and to do what God would have us be and do all the way to the end of your life. Okay, enabling grace is grace that enables us to be and to do what God would have us to be and do all the way, all the way to the end. Here's a passage, Colossians 1, verses 27 through 29, that I've shared with you a number of times. In fact, back in 2017, I did a series of messages on being a disciple of Jesus. And this was my main passage. And the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Colossae and he is telling them about the gospel 
that the gospel is not just for Jews, it is also for Gentiles. And this was a mystery hidden in ages past, but now revealed to the saints. It's not just for Jews, it's for Gentiles too. And in Colossians 1, 27 through 29, Paul writes this, to them, to the saints, to us, God has chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling, watch this, with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. Oh, Here's the glory of the mystery of the gospel. Christ in you. The hope of glory. And so the mission, excuse me, of the church is to present everyone mature in Christ. It is to present everyone mature in him because he's everything. Learning to surrender to his grace moment by moment of every day. And then Paul says this, and I love this so much, for this I toil, struggling with all his energy. Not my energy, but his energy that he powerfully, that he powerfully works in me. So, let me try to bring this all together. We see the grace of God in our salvation. We see the grace of God in our daily walk with God. So I want every one of us here to see that everything you are or ever will be as a Christian is the result of the grace of God. Everything you are, everything you ever will be as a Christian is the result of the grace of God. And that brings us to our main passage. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 9 and 10. Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. If there is anyone, Paul saying, who's unworthy, It's me. He wrote to Timothy and said, Timothy, I'm the chief of all sinners. He said, I persecuted Christians. I put them to death. I imprisoned them. Verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though though it was not I. It was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. By the grace of God, Paul says, I am what I am. Everything the apostle Paul did in the proclaiming of the gospel, in the writing of inspired scripture, in it. His great missionary travels, all of it, 
all of it, all of it, he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. No, he says this, I worked harder than any of them. But it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It was the grace of God that is within me. You see, this is the testimony of everyone or every Christian. This is the testimony of every Christian who's here this morning, of every Christian who's watching by live stream. By the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, we're here today. By the grace of God, I stand before you. By the grace of God, you sit here as part of this congregation. It's all by his grace. There's a song that our church has come to love. And we're going to close with it in just a little bit. It's the song, Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me. It's a song that was written and produced by City of Light in collaboration with Keith and Kristen Getty. And the first two stanzas of that song just go perfectly with this attribute of God. It says, what gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness, and freedom. My steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. For my life is wholly bound to his. Oh, how strange and divine. I can sing, all is mine, yet, yet not I, but through Christ in me. I want you to put two verses together this morning. 1 Corinthians 15.10 and Colossians 1.29. In Colossians 1.29, Paul says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, his grace, that he powerfully works within me. 1 Corinthians 15.10, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Do you see? The grace of God and Jesus Christ are synonymous terms. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. What gift of grace is Jesus, my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. There is nothing more that you need in your Christian life but the grace of God in Christ. Nothing more. He is my joy. He is my righteousness. He is my freedom. He is my steadfast love. He is my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. For my life is wholly bound to his. I can sing now. All is mine. All is mine. Yet not I. But through Christ in me. The key. Folks, the key to the victorious Christian life is understanding the grace of God that is ours in Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. 
may every believer in this auditorium say every day, by the grace of God, I am what I am. We thank you for your saving grace. We thank you for your sanctifying grace that conforms us moment by moment into the image and likeness of Christ. We give all glory and all praise to Jesus. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. In Jesus' name, amen.